You've entered the Kill Zone. The Kill Zone. Frontline Gaming presents the Kill Zone Podcast. Real talk for competitive Kill Team 40K tactics, tactics. Strategy. strategy, and news you need to know from some of today's top players. Tune in every other week for brand new episodes of the Kill Zone Podcast. Like the intro just said, you have entered the Kill Zone. Welcome back, returning listeners and those of you new to the podcast. This is Bearded 40K, and I'm joined by Emmanuel Mitsunikos from Strategic Advantage. We've got a great show for you coming up tonight. Today's episode covers the new Harlequin Void Dancer Kill Team from issue 474 of White Dwarf Magazine. Um, also, the third issue of White Dwarf that I've ever read. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to cover competitive impressions of the new Kill Team and hopefully give you some good info whether you're new to Kill Team or a veteran looking to get started with this new faction. You know it. So stay tuned. All that is coming your way after we pay some bills with these messages. At Frontline Gaming, we make the best tabletop gaming mats in the universe. Our mats are durable, rollable, foldable, wipeable, and storable. Oh, and they look damn great too. Join the thousands of tournament regulars and garage gamers who use our mats to bring their gaming surfaces to life. To ensure quality, Frontline Gaming mats are custom-made one at a time. Printed with high-quality ink, our immersive designs stay crisp and are available in a wide range of styles and sizes. So whether you're playing a war game or skirmish game, whether you're fighting over an alien tundra, fantastical forest, or real-world setting, there's a great-looking battlefield for you. Our gaming mats are printed on extremely durable neoprene backing, so they won't slide around the table. And they're thick enough to stay flat, protecting what's underneath and allowing for slight uneven surfaces. We know from experience that an easily portable gaming surface is just better. Every mat comes with a sturdy nylon zip-up bag for storage and transportation. Whether your next battle is in your home or at the local game store, you'll be able to unroll your FLG mat and get gaming right away. Our products are all made and tested by passionate gamers at Frontline Gaming HQ right here in the USA. It's time to take your battlefield to a new level. Frontline Gaming, champions of tabletop. And we're back. We know we just did a faction-heavy episode last podcast, but we're catching up on housekeeping, and there's another new faction to talk about. We're covering the Killer Clowns from Outer Space, also known as the Void Dancer Troop Harlequins. But before we jump into that, how you been doing, Mr. Emmanuel? I've been well. I've been well. It's funny you say killer cans. Uh, not killer cans. Uh, I got orc on the brain. What <laughs> a surprise. Uh, killer clowns from outer space. Uh, two fun facts about that. Uh, one of my favorite drinking games was a Halloween party to killer clans from outer space. Uh, surprising amount of people get injured or die from carnival food and carnival treats. We did not think that one would come up very often. Uh, and fun fact number two. For my Ardlyquins, my Orc Harlequins, uh, my initial plan was to give them clown face paint, but they just looked like geishas, so oh. I made them green again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but how you I been, bud? Oh, I, I've been okay. You know, following on that, I, last edition, I was like, you know, these Harlequins kind of play how the gene stealer should, you know what I mean? Just like the warping <laughs> around and all this stuff. So I was like, you know, I wonder if I could get away with it by painting like kiss faces, like kiss makeup, the, the rock okay. band. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, they've, they've got the tongue sticking out like, yeah. like on all their guys and stuff. It's like a bunch of little Gene Simmons uh, mm-hmm. dudes running mm-hmm. around would have been how I would do it. But yeah, I've been okay. Uh, not a lot of Kill Team stuff. 
played a couple games with Eric down in Long Beach today. Uh, Marines uh, versus different things. And then uh, been uh, just taking care of my little baby bird that uh, hasn't been feeling too well. She's not actually a baby. She's seven years old. But uh, should always been, be a baby to you. Yeah, I mean, three generations of cockatiels in my living room, all mm. raised from eggs and stuff. They're, oh, they're my just goodness. my little guys. And um, yeah, this one's about seven years old and had a real bad like a health issue come up. And mm. it's been like two kinds of medications, two times a day. And then um, I have to do a syringe feeding, which is like a tube because this is an adult. Mm. She's like, no, daddy, I'm too big for the food, <laughs> you know, to come from syringe now. She doesn't appreciate it, and I have to kind of. It's like uh, you're you're familiar, you know, with tube feeding and everything. It's just like the going in the throat, past you know the, yeah. the glottis thing, down the esophagus, into the crop area, and pumping there so that she oh doesn't actually goodness. accidentally breathe in the formula right. as right. the stuff is going on. So it's yeah. it's just that's you know five or so times a day of that. Yeah, you, like, you oh. talk about that so simply, but I'm sitting here thinking, how do you hold a bird? <laughs> Because yeah. bird hand care smashes down and holds them immobile. The other comes in with a syringe. They're basically. just such flappy, stabby animals. Like I have yeah. enough time trying to get my dog to sit still so I could put eardrops in whenever he has an ear infection. But then birds, like that's just that's just otherworldly to me as far as pet care. So hats off to you that you can do that. Thanks, man. <laughs> yeah, just doing our best. Uh, yeah. Doing our best for and uh, taking it one day at a time. Yeah. So suffice it to say, that's probably occupying a lot of your would-be hobby time, right? It absolutely, 100% is mm-hmm. because uh, the vet is not even in my town. Um, oh my the, goodness. Yeah, I used to work with a vet and uh, has been very MIA. And mm-hmm. uh, so this has been like an emergency thing, a whole different town. And I've gone there so many times, this whole other city over like subcutaneous fluid injections and oh, all this stuff for hydration and yeah, it's well, just been a lot of money, a lot of time, a lot of uh, effort. You know, well, let, let's not make you relive all of that. Yes. <laughs> let's get into kill team. Yeah. Um, yes. Before, so I have to share my BTSD, right? My my bird <laughs> traumatic stress disorder. <laughs> so I have two up. hobby uh, hobby catch ups for you. One okay. is some buffoonery from me, and one is a fun new kill team I'm building. Which one do you want to hear first? Oh man buffoonery or kill team uh-huh. uh let's let's hear the kill team thing because okay. these are always these are always pretty uh illuminating you know what yeah. what has Emmanuel gotten himself into now yeah let's oh find my this goodness out. so um if you're on the kill zone discord uh which if you're not uh get on the kill zone discord um mm-hmm. there i have shared some of my work in progress of these kit bashes as well as basing uh, I'm known that I can do very nice, pretty bases, but I just hate that part of the hobby. So I just use Necromunda bases. So okay. every once in a while, I uh, like to do fancy little bases. And uh, I've really wanted to play Corsairs. If you didn't catch that from our previous episode, how enthusiastic I was about Corsairs. But eh, elves, eh, not my aesthetic, obviously. Um, that takes us to Cromlech. And that takes us to the box labeled the Rotten Octopus Crew. Um, I don't know if there's a K on the box for crew, but there should be. Um, I digress. Um, they're a bunch of free, uh, freebooter grots. And they're beautiful. They're absolutely wonderful. They also have that weird kind of droopy Cromlech orc face, if you don't know what I'm yeah. looking at. Uh, if, if you don't know 
if you don't know what I'm talking about uh, to any of the listeners out there, if you just go to Cromlech and look at their bits, like they have a very unique kind of like... Yes, they do. It's just very like low-hanging kind of face, which really works well, especially with this kit, because they also have a bunch of tongues poking out and very a lot of character to the uh, to the faces. It's great. But they're all piratey, which is great, because, you know, ninja pirates, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but they're grot-sized, so in order to get them taller i went into my front yard and we have some gravel pavement gravel um gravel around the pavement um scooped up a bunch of that washed it all up and now they're standing on rocks but not just rocks um i've already done like kind of a beachscape kind of under them and i made a test base on a 32 millimeter base i don't know if i'll have to mask the side or if the grippiness from the actual texture will hold on to it but I'm going to use water effects, um, a smooth one, as uh, well as a thick one, a splash one, to make it look like it's active low tide under under them. So they've stand it. Wow. I've, I've elevated them up to the height that a Corsair should be and given them all like I have two guys with two flintlock pistols. He's going to be our Darude Sandstorm. Um, and I have a really, (laughs) and I have one that I really, really like, I was going to do kind of a, a squig and give it some wings as the bird, but I really like the Pokemon that comes in the Corsair's kit. Yeah. (laughs) So so I've decided to say, ah, you know what? Forget it. I'm going to incorporate this somehow. And in the Rotten Octopus crew, there is a grot that's, um, getting ready to light a cannon, he's holding like a big stick out that's supposed to be like the the flame that's supposed to light the cannon. I've used that as a perch for the little Pokemon bird for the um, Kernite Hunter. Am I remembering that? I think it's Kernite Hunter. Yes, yeah. Um, so. And he's making this face almost as if he's scared of the bird or telling the bird what to do. And that's my, I, I'm going to have to try and figure out an orky way to name him Bearnid something because that's my homage to my co-host. <laughs> yes, he's both terrified of what's going on. You should draw like, like, because he kind of like the way he's holding it, it looks like it could be a target on the shoulder for mm-hmm. for some mm-hmm. love uh, and good luck from the bird uh, uh-huh. to rain down on him. Uh, yeah, and it would be true true to life as well because uh, I just lived that life, you know. That's right. Lived that life walking Bur- around with bird poop on the shoulder. That's right. <laughs> no shame. No shame. <laughs> So that's my fun hobby thing. That's my new kill team. Um, so once I do my test base, I'm going to do some stuff, seeing priming first, priming after, all that kind of stuff to see how these water effects are going to work. And then I'm going to start working on this. And um, I'm also experimenting with a new orc skin recipe to try and quick and dirty orc shading with um, with my airbrush to do mm. base coat with the airbrush, give it a wash with like a green camo shade. Mm-hmm. And then do a zenithal of the skin areas with moot green, a very bright green to see if I just do a zenithal spray on the skin area, the skin areas, if that's mm-hmm. enough to just finish the skin without having to go in there. So when I have all these little grots to paint and then all my other orc armies to paint, I'm just like, yeah, let's see if I could speed up the process. So experiment. Yeah. There. And I that's, bet that could work. Yeah. I Hopefully I'm going to give it a shot. Uh, but that segues perfectly into my buffoonery. Um, I have a lot of contrast paint. I don't really use it that much anymore. And I'm thinking, hey, this contrast paint is pretty thin. Let me just shoot this through my airbrush. Nearly destroyed my fancy airbrush. Really? (laughs) Really nice badger airbrush. And the thing about it is whatever makes it the contrasty stuff, um, 
if your nozzle's too thin, it just clogs up so quickly. And I had to completely disassemble. I had to ultrasonic clean my airbrush and all that stuff. Now the good news is my air my I have a battery powered air compressor. Uh, Ninja oh, talks about it um, in a video, and it shoots out a constant 30, 32 psi. Works for about two hours before it runs out of batteries. It's, hey man, it's that'll amazing. Do it. Yeah, yeah, right. That's more than one of my one of my typical painting sessions anywhere. Mm-hmm. At least how much I'm using an airbrush. So it works fantastic, and it came with a garbage airbrush. But I used contrast paints through that because it has a big nozzle, and I was using that to base coat a lot of the um, the uh, spots on my Octarius terrain. So trying to chug along through that. But yeah, I nearly destroyed a Badger airbrush with contrast paint. So, so be wary. <laughs> that's really interesting. Um, so question on that: you're um, running it through the cheapo airbrush. How is that doing for you? Because like uh, I've actually been very surprised that the cheap mm-hmm. airbrush. Like I got mine in 2015 with mm-hmm. a. Uh, Amazon gift card from yeah. from my brother in law, and it has served me like faithfully since then. And yeah. it's like, dude, I love just this POS, yeah. you know, little airbrush thing. It's been through it's, hell and back with me. It's funny because I'm almost a little bit more bold with it because I don't mm-hmm. worry about its cost. Yeah. yeah. So I'm I'm a lot faster in using it and flipping it around and cleaning it and like you know jamming a brush in there to kind of clean it out like. Like I'm a little bit more bold with it, and that's probably how you're supposed to use an airbrush, not as delicately as I'm using the more expensive one. But yeah. um, the two downsides is is that even though it's a dual action, um, mm. which means you press it down for the air and you pull back for the level of paint that comes out by pulling back the needle, yeah. and it's really much. It's really pretty much on off. It's either all your paint okay. or no paint. So it's it's pretty cheap in that respect. But okay. for base coating and for doing stuff on terrain. Perfectly yeah. fine. Yeah. And you might still be able to adjust that a little with PSI, right? Like you could just well, like not, not with what I down have. slightly. Not oh, with what I okay. have because it's a You're constant. Right, because it's a steady. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I didn't yeah. think of that. Yeah. Okay. Which is fine. It's fine. It does, yeah. it does what I do. But uh, no, it, yeah. It's, I mean, everybody's you know hobby situation is really interesting. Like when you mm-hmm. get in and talk to them about what they have going on and stuff like that, it's, it's like we think we're talking the same language sometimes. And it's like, <laughs> wait a second, hold on. You know, a steady yeah. 35, you know. Like yeah. mine, uh, the, the compressor I have, and I can nerd out on this stuff, man. So just stop me, <laughs> stop me whenever we've gone on too long on this. But um, mine, the one that I've had since 2015, that was part of that, it was like $80 Amazon kit, doesn't have a tank. And everybody oh, was like, oh, it's going to burn out right away. This, it's mm-hmm. like, no, this mm-hmm. thing, you know, has it just. It is a tank. <laughs> yeah, it makes a little noise and it does its little thing. I, I just, yeah. I love this thing. But yeah, yeah. it's. The only thing I've had fail on that kit was a $5 hose that was shipped free on Amazon next day. No big deal. <laughs> yeah. And that's, like I said, since 2015, we're in 2022 yeah. now, if you're listening to this in the future, that's a lot of years, you know, it's seven yeah. years of, of yeah. use out of the, that so I've got my, <laughs> yeah, I've got my free, uh, free gift card worth of money out of it I think, there you uh, go. at this point. So, yep. uh. So let's talk about these clowns then. How do you think? Uh, so I was going to ask you, I was going to say, mm-hmm. did good just get better? Oh, uh, yeah. Is that kind of the TLDR? Well, so it, it's interesting. The balance data slate actually suggests that you replace Compendium Harlequins with Void Dancer Harlequins. Mm. But their wording is suggest. So mm-hmm. technically speaking, if the TO... It's really up to the TO, but the TO can call, make a call based on this data slate if 
old Harlequins should be used uh, or mm -hmm. can be used. I would say they should not be used, um, even okay. if you have the option. Um, I think the only thing that old Harlequins do better is the changes to Domino Field and um, Prismatic Blur. Those are the only two like real nerfs and maybe some of the weapon changes for the melee, but I think they're better now. Everything else is just so unbelievably good. Like, so the overview of this team is it came out in the White Dwarf and my biggest, like, I, I'm enamored with these guys. Like, I, I might be taking them to BAO. I've played oh, um, a couple, a dozen games with them mm -hmm. so far. Um, every time I play them, though, I feel super guilty that they're not my commandos. I cannot okay. shake that guilt of not playing commandos. So I might end up playing commandos anyway, just because I was like, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna podium yeah. with them. I swear. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, but, you already have, man. <laughs> that's fair. But um, but I love their fluff. So mm -hmm. the team composition still eight. They're still three APL, and so eight um, eight units. Um, eight operatives. You're making a face. Am I wrong? It was six before. No, it was always eight. It was? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Dude, yeah. have I been crushing these poor... You were just deleting two. You were deleting yeah. two right at the drop. You're just flicking Why them off I... the table. Yeah. Was it always eight? I yep. thought it was two new bodies. Nope. You two instead. So it was always eight. Okay. And now you have the option of exchanging two players with either a death jester and or a shadow seer and that's mm -hmm. really cool um the the leader in these two special models are nine wounds everyone else is eight wounds everyone else has pretty much the same profile now don't make the same mistake i did when i first looked at these data sheets i was like oh no they got rid of flip belts no they just gave them all the fly keywords so yeah. they still all do the harlequin thing jumping around and breaking all the rules of the game which is also causing a lot of problems in 40k community with a 70 plus win rate but that's a different <laughs> podcast um not our podcast yeah. but um some other minor changes to the team composition is that you can only have one fusion uh, weapon, uh, one fusion gun and one neuro disruptor. So yep. again, maybe if you want to go two, three fusion guns, that's another reason to take compendium Harleys. Um, but, um, I would still take these, um, yeah. because of all the other stuff they do. Um, tack ops, we'll talk about a little bit later, maybe once we go through the team a little bit, but yeah. what I really want to focus on first is their gimmick. So when, when Wormblade came out, I was like, wow. The rules writing team is like getting the fluff right. Like these mm -hmm. guys feel like gene stealers. Wow, that's amazing. And then these guys come out. So their yeah. gimmick. So if you don't know the lore of Harleys, they are playing, they, they view everything as a performance. So killing, the acrobatics, the theatrics, their, their costume, everything about warfare is a performance to them. And that plays into their laughing god and all this kind of stuff. That's what their gimmick is. Your game of kill team is just a play for them. It's got a weird 40k word that I'm never going to pronounce right because it's all made up anyway. Sadath? Sadath? Oh, Sadath. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, you basically choose what type of play you want to play. And you choose your lead performer. You choose your Hugh Grant. You choose your Brad Pitt. You choose your Celine Dion. Is she an actress? Wow. Um, I wanted to say Catherine Zeta-Jones, but Celine Dion came to my mind. Anyway, I digress. Um, you choose who, 
<laughs> oh my goodness, my 90s is everywhere. Let's not talk about the uh, Nirvana yeah. stuff I have back there. I digress. Again, yes. on the digression. Um, so you choose your play, you choose your lead player, and then you try and perform. So uh, what's your opinion on this? Because a lot of the community is just like, oh, it's complicated. Oh, it's too strong. Yeah. Like, what's your just kind of gut opinion on this? Gut opinion is uh, another thing to track, which <laughs> normally would would put me off. But this is kind of like uh, it's a, it's a wider elite team, but it is still an elite team. I feel mm-hmm. so. I think that you know maybe it's not the same because like uh, these other teams, like you look at Commandos, you look at Pathies, you know, some of these box teams, the the Vet Guard. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many different things going on on the different data sheets. But these guys, you know, it's not that that bad because you look, you've got your your two new boys uh, and and your leader, and then the rest are kind of players. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's not a whole bunch of data sheets to track. And oh, this one can shoot it obscured, and this one can do this and that, and blah blah blah. So I think that it's going to be okay. I don't mm-hmm. think that it's going to be unmanageable for people. And that was kind of like the concern when I first saw it. I was like, ah, oh, man, set the track. But in context, I think it's okay. That's a that's a really good point. I hadn't thought about it that way because um, it was a little bit hard for me to track. And the, the, I'll, I'll explain the nuts and bolts of how Sadath works in a second. So that way, whoever's listening who is not familiar with Sadath, um, their performance stuff, knows why we're talking about it being so kind of complex to track. But um, that's a really good point talking about the other bespoke teams and how each single unit has so much going on per unit. You have all of these rules. This is the whole army has this one rule that you just need to focus on. And it's it's a doozy of a rule. So um, I like to, whenever I explain Sadath, I like to tell you what you're working towards before you you achieve it. So essentially what you're doing is you're trying to complete your performance. You're trying to complete this play. And you you complete it by accruing four performance points at some point in the game that you're playing. And I'll, I'll tell you how you do that um, in a moment. But once you hit that magic number of four performance points, you um, unlock your performance, you complete the Sadath, and you get a CP at that moment. So if you unlock it in the middle of turning point two, for example, you get a CP then. And at the strategy phase of each subsequent turning point, you gain an additional CP. So you would get two at strategy phase of turning point three and turning point four if you complete your performance tally of four in turning point two. But also you get a whole buff applied to all of your all of your operatives. So that buff is linked to the play you choose. So strategy phase, first um, turning point, much like um, your admech, your hunter clade is going to issue their doctrines or you can issue orders with your um, with your guard equivalents, all that kind of stuff. Um, you choose your play, your Sadath. Um, it's comedy, epic, melodrama, odyssey, and tragedy, right? All these different types of plays, which, I mean, already the, the fluff is just, just oozing out of this team. I'm excited. <laughs> and you also choose your lead performer, as I was saying before. So your Catherine Zeta-Jones will receive a buff called an accolade. For example, if you choose melodrama... Catherine Zeta-Jones gets to re-roll one of her attack dice when she shoots. Cool, right? Um, She gets that buff 
just for being the lead player for that play that you chose. They call the plays allegories. Now, the way that you earn performance points is that for the play that you've chosen, for your selected allegory, you have an actual performance. So for melodrama, it's killing or taking an enemy operative out of action with two or more shots. So you want to hit a lot of little shots on someone with low wounds or hit someone with big wounds with a lot of big shots. But two or more shots have to go through that take in, in an attack that takes an enemy out of action. I've actually screwed myself out of this with certain attacks, leaving someone with only three wounds left. And I was like, well, shoot, now I can't get a performance because gotcha. one hit's going to kill them, right? So mm-hmm. um, when you complete that performance, you get a performance tally. So okay. anyone on your team, you throw a grenade, you shoot a you shoot a shuriken pistol, your death jester fires off his awesome gun, anyone gets that uh, performance tally. Your lead performer gets a bonus point for being the lead performer performing the that uh, performance. Gotcha. So if your death jester is your lead performer for melodrama and kills someone with two or more shots, you get two performance tallies. Super important to remember that. Because your lead player has an ability at the strategy phase of any subsequent turning point, you can change your lead performer as well as your allegory. So you can get two points from one player, switch it to someone else, switch it to something like, um, which one do I like to switch it to sometimes? Um, I don't know. It doesn't matter. Comedy, epic, any of these other ones. Something that you can easily accomplish. Like there's one that you have to charge within Pentagon of... Yeah, that's Odyssey. You have to charge within Pentagon of uh, your enemy's drop zone, which is usually pretty easy by turning point two with Harleys. So yeah, or with, there's like Allegory of Fall Back, right? Yeah, Something exactly. Like yeah, yeah, for comedy, which is a great one. <laughs> Harleys falling back, that's a comedy allegory, right? There's like I, yeah. I imagine they're slipping on banana peels. But, uh, <laughs> but you do that, so only two models perform the performance but both of them were your lead models with separate allegories um you unlock your seda so super easy to unlock if you kind of want to punch it now the kind of thought process behind that is that you want to start with something you can do in turning point one and then turning point two switch it to the one that you want to have active for the rest of the game because you can only change it once so Uh once you change it once you're stuck with whatever you got and that's if the bonus the army-wide bonus matters to you because that re-rolling one of your attack rolls that Catherine zeta jones got uh-huh. that is um that's that bonus would go to everyone if you unlock the performance and you complete the sadath gotcha spicy very spicy so that's a lot to manage and it's a lot to think about because each operative can only perform a performance once even if you shift it and that's my understanding so you have to track, it's like, okay, this person, this person, and this person did a performance. So even if I flip the performance, like they've already completed a performance, I need to do it with one of my other models. So um, so that's just the one thing to track. I always have data cards printed out for my units. So I keep mm-hmm. little markers, like the, the wounded markers or like the little, whatever markers that I'm not using at the time for the game. I put those on the data card for the ones that have already completed a performance just to help myself track it. So that that's one tip. Um, there's other ways you could put a little thing next to the models or you could just try and keep it in your head. I don't advise doing that. You have enough to think about anyway. So markers on the data cards worked for me. 
Yeah, I was going to say, you know, just go and get something cool on Etsy or whatever, markers for your data cards, and then maybe a piece of paper to keep the yeah. tally total or yeah. something off the yeah. side. Um, yeah. A piece of paper, a D8. Um, you'll want more than four, and I'll explain that. Oh, six should be enough. So a D6, just for a total performance tally. But um, yeah, that's that's their whole gimmick. So the CP is, I think, the biggest part of that. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it's big. And, and so, like, just summing that up, would, do you think that it would be correct to say that basically the allegory is what it boils down to is do things to unlock a thing? Mm-hmm. Uh, you're, you're trying to accomplish this thing. This gives you an army-wide buff once you've done it mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, can contribute to some other things, which we'll talk about in a, in a little yes. bit. But, uh, yeah, it's it's like that. that's kind of what you're trying to do is your your kill team has a heart of the cards and this thing that it's trying to accomplish. Yeah. And once you do that, you get some rewards from, you know, your laughing God, Segarak. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. You get, you get showered with accolades. All the roses get thrown onto the stage for you and you use those roses to murder your enemies. Um, yeah. yeah so it's like this fun little metagame around the game that your opponent knows you want to do. But the things that you need to do are things you were going to do anyway, right? Yeah. I always like starting with melodrama because with Domino Field, which we'll get into shortly, um, Domino Field's going to allow you to be safe until you want to shoot. And then you could always choose how you shoot. So with a couple grenades, a fusion pistol, your shooting guy, the um, the uh, Def Jesta, like you can get some shooting in turning point one feasibly. And then you switch it to whatever you're planning on for the next turning point. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's a really good one, two punch. I, I tend to always start with melodrama unless I see something else with my deployment that I want to do. Um, yeah. that, that's my hot take on that. Um, I can see it being kind of useful because like normally, you know, if some, if you're talking about an elite type team, you're getting whittled down over time, you know, as the game's going on, getting kind of a mid to late game buff to help you out mm-hmm. is, you know, potentially pretty cool to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, as a Harlequin player. Can help you, you know, seal the game, or maybe come from behind and, you know, nab that clutch last two points that you needed to, or something to that effect. Precisely, yeah. And this also works really well with how they've designed their tack ops. Two out of the three are focused entirely on the performance tally, right? Mm-hmm. In different ways. Um, you got mythic play, um, their first tack op, which if you get four or more, you get one VP on your performance tally. If you get six or more, you get another VP. So if you start off with melodrama, maybe you get three points off of that, off of two shooting attacks. One was your, um, your um, oh my goodness, your lead performer. You get three points there. Then you switch it to um, Odyssey, and you make three more charges, two more charges. Yeah, two more charges. Um, you charge with the lead player, within Pentagon of their DZ. You charge with another person within Pentagon of your DZ. That sounds like a really reasonable uh-huh. opening turning point one and then turning point two for Harlequins. Like if you're doing that, you're doing something right with the team. That just got you two points on your uh, on a secondary. Gotcha. Right? So you max that turn one. Turn two. Turn two. Or turn two, excuse me. Yeah, because you have to switch um, the allegory to max it. So pretty reasonable to do that. Now, it's not guaranteed. I mean, your your shots could flub, right? But it's pretty reasonable before the end of the game to get that. Um, That sounds competitive to me. I think Mm -hmm. you could do that. Yeah. 
And then the other one's Grand Act. That's their third one. That That's the other uh, faction tack op I really like. This one, uh, if you didn't like tracking stuff, this has got a little bit more complicated tracking uh, because your Grand Act is performing performances for all the different allegories. So not just the one that you have uh. activated. So if you fall back with some guy and then another guy makes a shooting attack and the other person charges and the other person kills someone with one attack in, in the fight phase... Um, then each one of those separate performances goes towards your grand act. And gotcha. if you get your grand act tally to five before the fourth turning point, so you have three turning points to do it, then you get two VP. Okay. Yeah. I mean, those all sound doable. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So what do you think? Um, is there a standout for you? And is there a never take for you? I don't think any of these sound like never takes, right? Yeah. Well, Hero's Path is a second one. We didn't talk about that one yet. Um, oh, yeah, it, yeah. Yeah. The way it reads is um, w- you reveal it when one of your guys incapacitates an enemy. And at the end of the battle, if that guy incapacitated more than each other friendly Void Dancer troop, sound familiar? <laughs> Sounds like the uh, the Legionary one, right? Um, where you just have to do a lot with one person. And they yeah. had a little bit more durability, especially if you took them as Nurgle. So <laughs> so I, I'm not a huge fan of Hero's Path. I think it's fun and fluffy to do it in a, like a narrative setting, but out of those three faction tack ops, I like Mythic Play, I like Grand Act, and I'm going to get up on my soapbox, always talk about their pa- tack ops, they could take Infiltration. Enough said. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I wonder if you would say Infiltration or Seek and Destroy. I like Infiltration. I mean, you could take both and tailor mm-hmm. into the into the match, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah. So the second tack up to me that does sound like a lot. And the thing about it is, is it's like I think you could do it if it was not declared. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, you know, because you could like trip and fall into it, and like, mm-hmm. hey, you know, it wasn't necessarily the best take, but it's like I, I did end up with somebody who did more or whatever mm-hmm. the heck, um, you know. Uh, but. Uh, declaring it is kind of hard because you don't know if death jester is just going to roll hot and you know go ham and maybe he wasn't your your guy for that or something right Mm -hmm. oh that's only for one vp by the way the other vp is that you have to be wholly within your operate your opponent's drop zone okay (laughs) more so not so much yeah Yeah, but but still you know not great there's so many good secondaries from seeking destroyer security that you could take just or infiltration infiltration yeah what i like about infiltration is that they have a lot of two apl things Mm -hmm. um and harley's have three apl so it makes it a lot easier for them to do like upload viral code and stuff like that Mm -hmm. i imagine them putting the joker's laughing gas on your uh yeah on your enemy lines what's kind of funny too is with like dj if you didn't want to throw him into the mix and, Mm -hmm. and take like a very active role you could take kind of a passive one um like get somebody to drop a token, you know, some kind of secondary with that, where he's just already DJ's kind of just set up looking at that. Like, mm-hmm. let's go, you mm-hmm. know, come come take that. And uh so that that might be a fun little mini game That's to true. try out someday too. Yeah. Yeah. I double dog dare you. <laughs> <laughs> no, come try and take this two two things. And with Harley's the thing is is they're gonna be able to get back in that DZ and put another one down too, even if they did manage to get in there and for sure. You know, the opponent destroys it or something. For sure. It's like, no, no, I'm back. I'm back. Here I am. So um, 
Let's talk about units real quick, and then we can get sure. to uh, their their ploys and then their equipment, because uh, not too much to say about the units. Um, they have players. If you don't have a Shadow Seer and you're mm-hmm. playing Compendium, chances are you probably have enough players already, um, as long as they don't all have fusion guns. <laughs> yeah. um, you can take one fusion gun and one narrow disruptor, as I said. Um, I would probably put your fusion gun on your leader, so that way you hit with twos. It's a th- range square slash three inch um yeah but uh what are your thoughts on that i debate like internally every time that this kind of a thing is an option because like mm-hmm. it started last ed with uh demons where you could put um you, you could make the the blood letter champion like the sergeant a combat for plus one attack or mm-hmm. you could give spread kind of a red up. shirt that yeah and kind of mm-hmm. spread out so i don't know you know how i think on that uh I'm kind of undecided. You're leaning towards leader, huh? Yeah. Rather than well, just kind of... For me, I mean, leader's going to have a power sword, so he's going to be, at least, I recommend he has a power sword. Um, he's the only one that can take it. Um, and um, so he's going to be crazy. I almost said lethal, but he's lethal 5+, plus in combat. <laughs> um, and Harleys really need to trade 2 to 1 in order mm-hmm. to keep their momentum. So with the extra responsibility that the, that the lead player, that the leader's going to have to give you that flexibility to shift you want to make sure that if they're committing to a two-to-one trade that it happens so um that's where like you're going to be putting them in a very dangerous situation if you're going to charge fight and then shoot someone you need to make sure that that shoot action really wrecks whoever's gonna whoever's it's gonna touch so that that's my thinking I, you're not wrong putting it on someone else because it's a scary gun no matter who's holding it, even mm-hmm. on a three up. But I, I just like the extra insurance by the two up. Yeah, just you know, he hits better, and it's such an effective weapon that if it does go through uh, a decent amount of mass, it's just going to dunk on things. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. I, I definitely see the the logic there. So um, you know what? Maybe we should talk about the other things. I was going to ask really quick. Do you think that leader is a good lead player option? Uh, in your estimation so the only time i would make a leader a lead player um is if um i've set him up in a place where he needs that extra inch to make a charge purposefully okay and then i would make them the lead player so that way they can make that nine inch charge um because um if i switch to the um odyssey allegory then Mm -hmm. I can jump in for a very long charge and that might be the other two points that I need at the beginning of turning point two in order to unlock that for everyone. So turning point one, I'm setting everyone right outside a charge range, really far back. But if they all had one extra inch, they'd all make their charges. And then I make one charge with a lead player, which could be my leader. And then everyone else just kind of starts to pile in. So that's usually when I make it. It's usually just whoever needs it, honestly, because the lead player only matters is who's going to get the points. So it doesn't need to be on him. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so we've also, you know, we've kind of covered a lot there with player and lead player kind of being in a similar similar vein, right? Because they Mm -hmm. are basically the same. Just the leader hits. He's he's your sergeant. He hits a little bit better, Mm -hmm. stuff like that. which I think then leaves Death Jester and Shadow Seer, right? Well, also the regular guys. One thing to talk about the regular guys is they did something very clever with their melee weapons. They all have okay. the same damage, except for the Kiss, I believe. But all the other weapons, they all have the same damage. The Caress finally hits on threes. It was hitting on fours in Compendium. Mm-hmm. I don't understand why. Um, mm-hmm. But the Caress hits on threes. It has rending. 
you have attack ploy that plays into crits. Um, take the crest. That's my opinion. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so you like that as a general take all comers build? Yeah. Then? Yeah. Take if you crest. have seven wounds that you're going up against and you want to crit fish to try and use the kiss to get uh, one hit kill on someone. Yeah. Reasonable to go that way uh, into seven wounds. There aren't too many seven wounds out there. That being said, the two boogeymen out there are they seven are, yeah. wounds. That's guard and that's uh pathies. Yeah. But um, either way, I, I, uh, I like the caresses and all comers unless you're going up okay. against seven wounds. All right. Yeah. And then one of those guys has a neuro disruptor, not on your shadow seer, in my opinion. Ah, interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because he's already, well, let, we'll talk to about do. It. Yeah. Let's talk okay. about him now. Yeah. You want to talk about him? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Him or her. Yeah. He's, her. he's a bit, yes. Uh, <laughs> He or she is a busy guy or gal, right? That's true. Uh, there's a lot going on with that that mm-hmm. model. Yeah, that's your psyker. Um, interesting psyker options. I used to scoff at Mirror of Minds, which is like this weird mini game where you and your opponent roll six dice and your opponent takes uh, mortar wounds equivalent to however many pairs of dice that you find. Um, except I kept getting four and five mortal wounds on my last game that I played. <laughs> you can't rely on that. That is not what this does. It does not dish out four to five mortal wounds or three to four mortal wounds. Either way, that's insane. Count yeah. on maybe a couple. Um, hey, this is that's the... how the laughing God works, brother. <laughs> <laughs> this is the exact thing that happened where I took someone um, down to three wounds by just like, oh, I'll just soften them up with mirror minds. And then I did four damage. I was like, well, shoot. Now my death jesters, the lead player is not going to get their shot off to get two yeah. performance points. So careful with mirror minds. It might surprise you. Yeah. I've been, uh, I've been hating on the shadow seer since last edition. Uh, Manders. <laughs> Uh, I was thinking uh, my favorite psychic is Fog of Dreams. I oh, yes. love 100%. That you, dude, you're just able to see this threat and say nope to it. Like somebody, uh, you know, sets up a really good next turn charge this turn or something like that, you know, and mm-hmm. you're just like, no, sir. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and it's just, uh, yeah, it's going to be some salt on that. Like uh, if they hadn't nerfed the Tau uh, three chain activation, this mm-hmm. could have stopped that. You know, take away uh, well, APL, kind of like stop the like the recon drone or something or whatever. Like you stop a part of the chain, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden it's like, oh no, what to do? Yeah. Um, and it's still going to be still, effective. Yeah, you would still need to activate first, though. So I think the any any shenanigans pre initiative would still go. Um, yeah. But um, the the moments that I've been able to use it is when I have one initiative. And my opponent has an engine that mm-hmm. they need to get off. And I need some time to take care of that engine. Um, or if they just have like too many models. Like I did this to Alex in a game that I played against his Hunter Clade. Where I froze up someone who I wasn't ready to deal with yet. But by freezing that person up, he had he was an infiltrator. He had such a big base that his other guy that was in front could scurry past him. So it kind of locked up two models for, I think, a couple of activations. But it gave me enough time to kind of waltz in there, take care of the front model, not worry about retaliation from the frozen model, and then waltz forward to take care of the second model. So yeah. um, it, it's really helpful to um, to dismantle whatever your opponent's doing, even if it's only like two activations you delay it by. I think it's really neat. 
And it's kind of cool too because it's like let's say you don't have your death jester set up to counter an enemy plasma or something. You know, the big scary gun on the other side. Mm-hmm. He can just say no to that, and then you can move guys out of the way and mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, something like or like uh, you know, if worthy cause is not going to be used, uh, you just shut down recon drone on the tau on yep. the pathfinders. And uh, they're not doing that rail stack or relentless grenade play mm-hmm. or something like that, perhaps. Mm-hmm. No, uh, pretty pretty neat. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. For some reason, it just made my cheese sense tingle when I saw that. I was like, Ooh, this is uh, this is perhaps some field ads here. Yeah, and then the third uh, the third one is a veil of tears. Super situational. You could just give someone who's close to you cover no matter what. Um, mm-hmm. Stacks well with um, my brain. Um, stacks well domino. with domino field. Yep. Um, especially if someone's safe, but you're worried that someone's going to make a really, really long turn around to get around the cover or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. if they can really scurry a model out to get around your cover shot, um, definitely an option. Or if you want to put on someone who is safe, but they need to stand out in the middle of nowhere to do something. You could just yeet them forward onto a point that's completely out in the middle of nowhere, but they have cover. Downside yeah. is, make sure you have a plan for them at the beginning of the next turning point because <laughs> the next yeah. turning point comes around and they're just a sitting duck with no cover. So Yeah, initiative's going to decide stuff there. Yeah. yeah, Unless you have plans to take care of that side, who knows? Um, mm-hmm. Or maybe it's end of turning point four and you need someone to stand in the middle of nowhere um, and be safe. Then it doesn't yeah. matter what happens after that because uh, you're already racking. Um, I mean, that's really neat for an elite team to have where mm-hmm. you're just like, okay, I need to stand on this point and eat some shots or something. And, you know, you, you have a way around kind of that situation. Yep. This. And then we have everyone's favorite death Jesta. I mean, that's, that's what I've named my orky one. Uh, he's the mm-hmm. guy from the squig hog, uh, rocket truck squig buggy, uh, who's loading squigs into like a potato cannon. <laughs> it's, it's amazing but uh he's got some really cool stuff um what do you think about his ability to injure um anyone he just causes damage to yeah i think it's kind of neat because it's like in a way if you think about it bringing back a little bit of the feel bads of the nerve tests you know morale issues of last edition oh, where huh. you're coming back yeah. in and you're able to shoot somebody and you know with fusillade perhaps even split those shots there's mm-hmm. a way to put lethal five on there Mm-hmm. and maybe you know nerf a couple guys even if you don't kill them right away mm-hmm. they're shooting not as good they're they're down on ap they're not moving as fast now uh, so he, you know he's bringing some of that that fear and terror and morale issues back to the the game uh, kind of kind of a fun mechanic yeah and split uh, speaking of splitting your shots you can also uh flip that around and for two ap you can actually um change fuselot to torrent so mm-hmm. if there's people that are close enough to Fusilade and you have the APL to spare, you can just have a full shooting attack on each of them. So you yeah, could really bro. injure a real dense pocket of, uh, of, um, of vet guards, right? Unless you yep. end up killing them all. Um, <laughs> Which is, is very possible, right? Yeah, because yeah. With, with five attacks that would be going on every guy. Four right? slash five damage. Yeah. 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 It's insane. Oh, with man. rending. With rending. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the great thing about him is that he also has fly, um, and with three APL, you can, if you have the ability to get him to move to a position and be in a good firing position at the beginning of, um, at the beginning of a turning point, he Uh can get the benefits of, um, domino field 
be safe with an engage order, and then shoot with torrent, and then move himself away from that with his final APL. Yeah. So he's, he's like he's like a better he's a better um, DACA boy, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's insane. Yeah. It's insane. I think uh, what you're talking about there is is a very big note that I don't want people to skip over. And, and you know, it's like really, guys, pay attention to this. You have a guy who can stand fairly in the open on a vantage. Like you can you can set him up in deployment. You can take the dash uh, scouting phase option, move mm-hmm. him on to vantage point. Now he's set mm-hmm. and you know not able to get hit. And uh, when he wants to go, he go. That is exactly how I opened with my Death Jesta on the last game I played with him. Exactly yeah. what you just said. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, you spend two APL on, on crazy shooting play or something. If you wanted to, you uh-huh. can just dash back, mm-hmm. you know, and be safe again. Yeah. Uh, really gross. Yeah. So he's amazing. Um, mm-hmm. I like him a lot. Um, in the games where he hasn't done much, it's actually because he's done a lot that you don't really notice. So if you play with this guy and you're like, oh, I didn't really get that many shots, think about how much of your opponent's movement and a lot of your options of your opponent that you shut down by simply having him in a threatening position. Because one of my fourth, fifth games with this team, um, I was really disappointed in the Death Jester. I was just like, you just sat up there the whole time. And I was like, yeah, but those two points were free the entire time because my opponent was too scared to come out and get shot. Yeah. So don't, don't be too discouraged if you don't get to use him because he's scary enough to scare people away. Yeah. And there's a lot of um, just the team in general, there's a lot of stacked feel bads. Uh, and I use that term endearingly. It's just a slang of, of like a hard to overcome something mm-hmm. on the other side of the board. Mm-hmm. Um, that is like when you talk about domino field, can't shoot. Um, you talk about like death gesture shutting, um, not death gesture, um, the shadow seer shutting down, uh, some plan that you wanted to do. And mm-hmm. then, you know, death gesture, maybe nerfing some key models, even if he doesn't get a kill or something like that, mm-hmm. very likely getting kills. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like, there can be a lot of, it's like a clamp on what the opponent wants to do that will be hard to overcome. I feel the general is this team. So, um, all we've done is gush, but there's one big glaring thing that we have not said. Uh, they all have four up in bones, but that's a four up, not the greatest. And they all have eight slash nine wounds. The two special yeah. characters in the leader have nine wounds. Everyone else has eight wounds. They're fairly glass cannony. So they rely yeah. heavily on placement, which you can get very good placement on the board because they have fly. Um, mm-hmm. but you have to be very careful because domino field is different. So yeah. let's talk about that in the strat ploys. What do you think? Sure. Um, strat ploy. So domino field, I think is kind of like a tax that you are paying. If there's other shooting on the board, you're thinking like one CP a lot of times until you can deal with that. You're, you're paying domino field, right? Is mm-hmm. that kind of where you were going? Yeah. So, um, domino field is almost a default opener. Um, mm-hmm. It lets you keep a lot of people safe with an engage order that allows you to take advantage of openings that you might have for shooting attacks, allowing you to get melodrama. If you don't think that that's going to happen, you might decide just to save your CP and deploy and conceals if you don't actually think that you're going to be making any aggressive movements and maybe just keep your def gesta with an engage so that um, that way you could jump around and shoot. Um yeah. So domino field very much if you plan on being aggressive with shooting first uh, turning point. Now the difference 
here is that the counterplay for um, Domino Field for the Compendium team is take grenades, right? Because mm -hmm. you that was the only way of getting around it. Now, with the Void, uh, void Dancer Troop, um, if you get within six inches, the Domino Field no longer works. So if someone has... If an, if a Harley has an engage and is in cover, if you get in within six inches of them, you could shoot them with anything. Um, mm -hmm. If they're concealed in cover, you still need to get within two inches or um, or get a vantage on them. Um, yeah. That vantage also has to be within six inches. But um, So there are ways to work around it that's not only reliant on grenades, which is nice because there were some teams that didn't have good grenades or no grenades at all, like Hunter Clade. Alex reminds okay. me of that a lot. But, <laughs> but, um, so at least there's a counterplay to it. And I think this is a fair change, but just something to be aware of, especially if you're a Hartley veteran and you're coming to this team, um, Domino Field is not as strong as what it used to be. So basically the way I use it is I make sure that any of their people that could get within six inches, um, of me, I make sure I'm 6.1 inches away from their furthest extent, you know? Yeah. Um, just to make sure that I keep my domino field. Still not very good at it. Um, I've gotten caught off guard a couple times by some clever movements, especially by one of my buddies, Jonathan, that I've been playing with. Um, mm -hmm. he, he, he did some clever movement in the last game I played. I was like, darn, I thought I was outside of six. Well, lesson learned. Um, uh, but that's yeah. why we play, right? That's why we practice. Um, what do you think, uh, about, what do you think of, uh, between colors, which is like the shoot during a move? For some reason, I just love the idea of that. It's like, it's super interesting. Super, yeah. super interesting. Um, it lets you do more with your APL if you want to loot and salvage and then move, shoot, and finish your move around a corner just to have a little bit of effectiveness while you're still using APL for mission actions. Um, some people in the community are using the fly keyword in a way that you can fly straight up without spending any movement, but st staying within six inches. So that way you can draw a cover line over a barricade to get around cover. I don't think that's true. I, I think the intent is that you should have to shoot from a place that you can actually place your model. Like you can't yeah. just hover in midair with the fly keyword, especially because fly is not very well defined. And it says yeah. you ignore vertical distance. It doesn't mean that you just fly even though it sounds like you fly and i'm kind yeah. of on both sides of the fence with that but i don't think that between colors works this way but i really like it in in those specific circumstances yeah i think it's just for i, I would rule that is just for moving but uh could mm -hmm. be wrong you know yeah but yeah um i i, I just think that's you know such a neat thing because it's like action economy and mm -hmm. and stuff and like setting up for a shot that you're able to get, but you might not now be open to return fire. So mm -hmm. that's something I've noticed playing, you know, very shooty teams is, mm -hmm. you know, you come up, you take that shot. If something good doesn't happen, now you're probably going to lose a guy. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's kind of solved some of that. And it's, you know, again, an elite team. That's just kind of a cool thing there. Yeah. Does not work with the uh, Shrieker cannon, the Def Jesta, mm -hmm. just as a, yeah. just as a heads up to anyone who's hearing this and thinking of Jeff, Def Jesta. I did the same thing until I read it. And finally, you have Prismatic Blur and Kegarax. Chegarax? Kegarax? Kegarax Jest. I've heard it said multiple yeah. ways. Yeah. Kegarax uh, Jest. This used to be Prismatic Blur all in mm -hmm. one, and they split it into two. Um, so yeah. just to be aware of that. Um, prismatic blur still does the same thing. If you move, you get a three up in vuln. 
Oh, no, you can reroll one of your defense dice. I think it used to be a three-up in Bulm. Maybe I'm just making that up. But you get to reroll one of your failed de- defense dice. Um, mm-hmm. And Kegarak's Jest is the one where any... T- this has also changed a little bit. Um, anytime someone strikes you in combat, you roll a die. And if you meet or fall below that model's weapon skill... They have uh-huh. to parry instead. So suddenly the butcher seems like a great option right? <laughs> with a four up to hit. Um, going up against Harleys, I might consider taking a power claw, you know, just to have a four up to hit uh, if if they want to counter with uh, Kegarak's Jess. So just something as a counterplay to kind of think in the back of your head. Now your bad weapon skill is no longer as no longer working against you all the time. Hmm. Yeah. Do you think um, that the majority of your CP is going to be spent on uh, the strat ploys? Because I, nope. I look at it, you don't think so. <laughs> nope. Really? Because uh, like the tactical ploys, you know, I look at them and the strat ploys just seem like so necessary. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the tact ploys first and then we'll have that okay. discussion. So sure. that way everyone's sure, sure. on the same page. Um, murderous entrance and the curtain falls. This is where I think I'm spending a lot of CP. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so... Alluding back to what I was saying before, crits and melee matter, and getting two crits and melee is really nice. Well, Murder's Entrance lets you strike twice if you get a crit, um, twice in a row. So if you get a crit, that also turns into another another regular hit into crit, you get two crits right off the bat. Curtain Falls lets you run away uh-huh. if you get bad dice, or if you don't want to get hit back. So say you charge a custodian, you can murder sentence and then curtain falls, do 10 damage to a custodian and not get hit back, right? That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So I, I see powerful. I see those taking up a lot of my CP mm-hmm. because a lot of these guys are eight wounds. Okay. Again, and you need yeah. them to keep pushing forward. See, because I'm thinking eight wounds, it's like domino tax. You know, stuff like that, like mm. uh, being able to move, shoot, you know, get into cover. So I think we're thinking along the same lines. It's just like, how do we arrive there, right? It's of, like multiple ways. Wounds. Yeah, yes, I see what you're saying. Multiple ways of getting yeah. to the same location, kind yeah. of interesting yeah. stuff. Okay. And then you have ruthless derision. Uh, essentially, if you fall back, you get relentless. Not yeah. bad if you couple that with uh, the comedy allegory where you want to fall oh, back anyway. Okay. And then capricious roll, I like that in very niche situations, a common tactical ploy is to charge a model and pass or mm-hmm. mission action and charge that you don't want to fight with. So say a lowly trooper who's already thrown their crack grenade just charges a harlequin. So that way you have to fight them and you can't charge and fight someone else. Well, capricious roll for one CP lets you charge even if you're in engagement range. That's or awesome. dash if you're engagement range. So you can also yeah. use that to take a few steps back with your Def Jesta and then shoot someone if they charged you to force you to fight in combat. A lot of play there and it's niche, but that's what tactical ploys are for. Yeah, and you got fly so they can't even body block you in, right? Correct. Just say, no, no, you shall not pass. So yeah. I see I see the tactical tactical ploys getting a lot more use for me, at least with my play style, but I definitely see a lot of play with, I mean, obviously Domino Field and Kegarax Jest. I've seen that just completely save you as well defensively in melee. And that's one APL if you're charging four guys 
one CP, sorry, that's gonna be in effect for four guys. So it's an efficient use of CP. But guess what? These guys get a lot of CP if you're doing well. <laughs> yeah. So you get to play with a lot of these ploys. So are we good to move into final thoughts? Uh, let's talk about equipment cool. real quick. Um, okay. They have the best suspenser system in the game. Uh, yes. One equipment point, you give essentially suspenser system to the Def Jesta. So normally you have, um, what's it called? Heavy. So mm-hmm. you can only dash, but you essentially get the three circle movement, not normal move. So that lets you move, shoot, dash with uh, the Def Jesta if he has a support grip. And instead of three EP, it's only one EP, which is insane. Yeah. You you will always take this if you take a Def Jesta. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, just so people are aware, it's it's you're, you're not moving more than six is kind of the tax on, on him at this point. Once you mm-hmm. put that on, you can do two movements as long as it's not over the six inches of, of movement or three circle, depending yeah. on how you measure Uh, whether you're using the metric system or not right yes (laughs) and uh this is so much more effective for him because of fly yeah um really quickly there's another piece of war gear the shrieker rounds Mm -hmm. would you ever put that and the support grip on the death jester it'd be five ep Mm -hmm. but lethal five you got all your movement now he's Mm -hmm. able to fly and, and do his stuff again you know I would say yes if the grenades didn't exist. Okay, you like yeah. the grenades. I like the grenades that's, that's mostly wise. because they're good grenades mm-hmm. and they have stun. Yeah. Yeah, the the stun wise is choice. what sells it for me. So like if there's two or three people clumped up and I can get to a location and throw a grenade and knock mm-hmm. at least one APL off of them, really helpful. And I like the grenades because they give me very effective shooting to help me out with melodrama. Yeah, I think yeah. that's the way to go because, you know, it's it's grenades plus mobility that hits mm-hmm. this, like, OP benchmark. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's kind of what what these guys have going on. You've got good grenades, you're mobile as hell, mm-hmm. you know, you're able able to get angles and stuff, hop over things as it is, mm-hmm. just make the impossible happen with trick shots. Like, you're, you're Michael Jordan on, the, mm-hmm. on there with your grenades now. Yeah, and as far as getting lethal five up on something, um, I like the pure psycho crystals. That gives your neuro disruptor uh, lethal five up, which also has That's stun. So yeah. my 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 take all cumbers tends to be pure psycho crystals for my neuro disruptor, which again I don't put on the the psyker. I put on just a regular guy. Two grenades and the support grip. That's your ten points. I, I like that a lot. I've done that in every game I played so far. I played against a mirror match and they put shrieker rounds on their Def Jessa, but unfortunately I didn't let him shoot. So yeah. <laughs> I don't know how well that would have worked, but lethal five up for all that damage. Uh, it, it's nice. Awesome. Yeah. Any other um, standout equipment for you? No. Um, yeah. I mean, Death Mask is fine, but they have a lot of CP and there's better things to spend three EP on. Um, yeah. yeah. I that... think it was good in Compendium. Now it's like, you know what, there's there's other things you're kind of trying to accomplish now, yep. other ways to farm CP. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I'd agree with that. Okay. So uh, in summary, would you say basically, I guess what I would say is like eight to nine wounds, still fairly in that glass cannon territory. These guys are a fragile, wide, elite team. I think that Sounds sums good. it up pretty well. Yeah. They're going to live and die on combat tricks and shenanigans that is kind of dictating the combats and where the exchanges and stuff happen. And you're kind of aiming for that two for one trade ratio. If guys are going to die. Yep. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. If one player, uh, one of your operatives took out two enemy operatives, I, I mean, unless you're going up against 14 models, uh, you're doing all right. The one cautionary tale is that if you're new to Kill Team and you're picking up Harleys, do yourself a favor and make sure you learn a lot of the climb and drop rules because mm-hmm. you're going to be able to ignore a lot of these movement um, restrictive rules. And you might play up against someone who doesn't have them on lock or they're learning the game. It, it's helpful for you if you're starting off with Harleys to make sure you learn the rules that aren't relevant to you um, yeah. just to um, get a full full understanding of the game. That's just my yeah. my two cents. No, it is, you know, it's wise words because there is going to be an inherent kind of perhaps uh, character flaw that develops in your in your mm-hmm. game as you, you know, go to play these guys. If you didn't have rules, you know, and it's like you're going to move somewhere else or you don't know to make sure that opponent is doing things correctly or something. Yeah. And, or just yeah. know what they're capable of. Know what their yeah. limits are. You, you should know. You should know that stuff. So I, I would, yeah, I would make sure know. you don't glide over it. Yeah. Know why you're so good. <laughs> yes yes yeah so we hope you've enjoyed this episode i've been bearing you can find me posting sporadically on youtube occasionally every now and then uh, a couple months between episodes usually uh bearing 40k at uh youtube go type that in a search and i've been emmanuel you can find me on youtube with my buddy alex i'm strategic advantage and you can find me painting eventually those new corsair spaces and the corsairs i guess <laughs> on my instagram at eman.paints Thank you guys so much for listening and we'll see you in a couple weeks. Thanks for listening to the Kill Zone Podcast. Your home for real talk for competitive kill team. Brought to you by the Frontline Gaming Network. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode.